The What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Good morning. This is Aaron Strout. I am the CMO of W2O Group and the host of the What to Know podcast. Yesterday, we were uh, doing live podcasting from the Shift Forum by NUCO, brought to us by John Battelle and Brian Monahan. I have the pleasure of being joined today by Debbie Hopkins. She is currently doing a couple of uh, stealth projects and sitting on, on some boards. But one of the most interesting things, I think, is her past, and, and we'll talk a lot about that today, and her recent past, because she just retired uh, not too long ago. She was the former chief innovation officer at City and founder uh, and CEO of City Ventures. So she's had some pretty, you know, intense um, experiences in the past with some big corporations. She's also had senior roles at GM, Lucent, and Boeing. So we're going to talk a little bit about her being across five different industries. Uh, you, you get a little bit of the picture just, I think, with some of her background there. Um, Debbie, welcome. We're, we're really happy to have you here. I'm delighted to be here. So... Some of the things that we'll talk a little bit about are, um, you did an interview with John Battelle, I think, for the session. And I would like to actually get into the session you know, that you talked about here. It's always nice to have that reference, like what was your involvement in the Shift Forum? So for those that weren't lucky enough to be here, maybe a little Didn't redux of what yet. that was. Well, so, sorry, yes, it hasn't <laughs> happened yet, but you're doing it this afternoon, I think. Right. We're, we're going to talk about how do you really create change in extremely large companies. Which, uh, as we know, is not always easy. And I worked in financial services myself. And, and again, you worked at some other very big companies and uh, companies that enjoyed a tremendous amount of success, uh, but sometimes had a difficult time changing. So why don't we start with that? How do you drive change in large organizations? And you said something intriguing during your interview with John, which is companies get addicted to success. And I think because they do it's kind of like, I want to keep winning and I don't want to do anything to jeopardize it, even if maybe my winnings go down. So how, you know, over the course of your very successful career, have you helped companies manage that process and really get them to think outside the box? You know, it's a really interesting thing, change, because it's such a human, really, um, reaction to change where we kind of immediately go, oh, I don't like this, right? It is, and, and that's just, again, human nature. So, um, when you're really trying to create change, I think you have to kind of answer a couple questions for people. The first one is like, why should I care? You have to give a case for change. And then really right after that, you have to say, answer the, what's in it for me? And then finally, like, how, how do, what role can I play in all this? Because it's personal. And you can't just think about it as a broad topic. You have to really get at a personal level. And so that means you really have to make a case for change that demonstrates um, that what you're talking about is highly relevant to them. So I kind of call this playing four-dimensional chess a lot. You're spending a lot of time thinking about how do I help people who are, you know, the people I work with at City, incredibly intelligent, have been incredibly successful all their career and you're trying to convince them that they need to add a new set of skills. We need to go beyond execution to really being creators as well. And that's tricky, tricky business. And so it's, um, when you say, how do you go about it? The answer is very carefully um, and with respect for the, uh, and humility of what they have done 
but helping them see that you know the rules are all being rewritten, um, everything's being upended, and the importance of us um, really gathering new skills and new ways of working uh, are really fundamental to moving forward. I, I think the, the point you bring out about, um, we call it addicted to being right, it's, it's, it's a funny thing, and as a former CFO, you know, when we really got into quarterly earnings and all these, you know, really giving people guidance and all this, it, it, it has created this kind of corporate thing of perfection, that we, we make a plan, and somehow it's a perfect plan, and then we spend an incredible amount of time justifying that we perfectly executed that plan. When, of course, that's not really what your role is as a leader. Your role is to be able to, you know, as I call, ride the wave. You know, stuff is going to change. Stuff is going to happen. What we're looking for is your judgment on how best to move forward. But we're not creating those open and honest dialogues. And I think the world we're living in is, is starting to really bring that forward, is the importance of us not recognizing there's no way to be perfect. Right. So speaking of imperfection, I'm sure over the course of you know trying to convince companies that it was okay to change and then great point and you know if you can demonstrate what success looks like and prove the ROI of it and you know sometimes it has to come in incremental steps but I'm sure there was a time where you said gang this is something we really want to do you tried it and maybe it didn't work the way you'd hoped how do you recover from that and, and was that a stepping stone or did it end up being a barrier to moving forward because you know that with risk averse companies that you know you have that slight snafu then all of a sudden it's like oh my gosh maybe this isn't a good idea yeah i think you just have that's kind of comes with the territory of being the the change maker uh i do think it's important and lessons learned of not trying to make some big grand uh change uh without really stepping into it and i think the the benefit of the kind of work we had been doing um in the last several years at city of really um, embracing the uh, entrepreneurship lessons of experimenting, validating, and really getting a sense of what problem you're solving uh, is, is a much more productive way because you can course correct. Uh, and it's, it turns out it's really capital efficient and people can learn with you because at the end of the day, we're all learning in a new world. And that's our real goal here is to, to understand and embrace the kind of new technologies and capabilities and business models that can allow us to create highly relevant experiences for our customers. So it's, uh, it's, it's fascinating work when it comes down to it. So I'm gonna ask you um, a slightly different question, still looking maybe future forward. It will set up our next question. Being in City Ventures, um, you have to be able to see into the future a little bit, right? Probably looking into the past and, and then sort of helping that take you into the future. What were the tools or techniques, and I'm asking this specifically so the audience can know, like as you're trying to predict winners, you know, what part of that is gut, what part of that is statistics, what part of that is history that you used, you know, with your team trying to make sure that you were bringing the right uh, members into the portfolio, member companies? Yeah, it's an interesting experience. I was at the time chief innovation officer out of New York and was coming out to the Valley and starting to meet with some VCs and so forth. And I had this incredible experience meeting with young man, Syriac Roding, who was running a company called Shopkick. I know it well. And we were an early investor. And I came out of that 
meeting, literally, see, I'm still I'm having a physical reaction of how extraordinary it was to see this passionate young man about what he really wanted to do and recognizing that this could be relevant to us. And I was standing in the parking lot of Kleiner Perkins, beautiful fall day, and I said, I think I need to be here. So literally seven years ago, picked up, sold everything in New York. You know, our kids are out of the house. My husband and I moved to Palo Alto, and I came by myself. So I started City Ventures from scratch. And that was huge because it allowed us to really go after people from all different, you know, from Apple and eBay and, and you know, venture capitalists. So one of the things that was inherent in my thinking coming out was to learn, to really be in touch with what was becoming clear are some very disruptive both technologies and capabilities. We needed to be in the network. And this was not a network that, frankly, any banks were act active in. And the only way to do that is to live here and be part of it. And so that became kind of our whole um, foundation of demonstrating to um, starting with some of the VCs that we were a worthy partner. And we had to earn that respect. And we did that because of some work I had had the privilege of doing um, in technology of really being the champion of the entrepreneur and demonstrating to people like a Ben Horowitz, who was a fantastic partner here, um, that if we can help these guys scale, it's a home run for everybody. So it allows us to potentially bring in a breakthrough uh, capability that has scale potential. And the learning that goes on with these companies when they get a chance to really work with people that are running, you know, you could argue one of the biggest networks in the world, you can't beat that. Right. And that seems to be a theme at the uh, Shift Forum is, I know we heard from Les uh, Ryan Leslie yesterday with Superphone. We heard from Tyler Florence, and we've had the luxury of interviewing them as well. Uh, we heard from Steph Curry last night, uh, the you know not only the point guard on the Golden State Warriors, but also the CIO of Slice. And it does seem like that is part of the secret ingredient is it's got to be a good idea. And the key is, is that um, it really just needs that gasoline to help scale. And then what your job is, is to sniff it out and say, if it has, a, if it's a flawed idea or flawed, you know, founder base or whatever, there's no amount of gasoline that's going to really get it to go where it needs well, to go. Well, and you will lose respect of your colleagues. So um, fortunately, because I had ran operations and technology, I really knew a lot of those players, but you can't waste their time, right? And typically they're already already probably have two technologies um, in a particular, like in cyber, where we've obviously been very active. So you have to pick wisely. And then, you know, a lot of that, the benefit of, I think, of hiring experienced VCs, the real thing that goes on out here is typically this isn't somebody's first startup. And these VCs, you know, our uh, Arvin Purushottam and, and Ramnik Gupta just play, have been playing a phenomenal role for us for many years because, oh, we know these guys. We worked, we backed them before. And that is a critical part of making your earlier question about how do you make these decisions. You know, are they in a space we care about? What do we know about them? It's the management team is fundamental. And what about their business model gives us um, just really a sense that there's a there there. 
Yeah, that's great. Um, so I'm going to do one follow-on question to that, and then a question we talked about that we would yeah. uh, cover, which is you, five different industries, so really being sort of this butterfly across all of them and the message that um, people can take away from that. The butterfly, it's good. It is a butterfly, you know. It's very, like, graceful. That's what I love about it. Um, so one of the things that I know you did while you were at City is you really helped champion the City uh, Women Initiative. Uh, we were fortunate enough yesterday to hear from Robin Hauser. Um, she showed some of the a trailer for the film, you know, on Baez. And, you know, we've had Judith Williams, actually, who is at Google and now Dropbox, who's come and spoken at a couple of our events about unconscious bias. Um, talk a little bit about that process. And then more particularly, there is this big movement, you know, with people like Jesse Draper at Halogen Partners of trying to really empower women founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs. We know that it actually leads to a more successful, uh, you know, uh, executive team or su successful results in, in spite of that we still I think don't as a society do enough of that so it's great to have people like you that are championing that yeah I think women have a senior women have a responsibility to always be looking you know over their shoulder and who's coming who are you bringing up alongside you uh, and giving them the courage and the opportunities to um, really have you know, play out what they are, are hoping to do. And City Women was really all about that. We were really exploring, could we come at the challenge in a different way? And having spoken to um, really the guys at McKinsey and many of the um, consulting firms and uh, accounting firms were having a similar thing that was happening in financial services. We hire women, they progress, but just when they're about to become senior, they depart. And so what we did a fair amount of research on it and concluded that it wasn't about having a mentor, it was having an advocate. So I happen to be obsessed with Hamilton. So as I say, you need to be in the room where it happens, and you do. And so really having somebody that's more advocating on your behalf is a very, very different um, you know, kind of approach. And that's, that's really been an exciting thing to get to roll out. Yeah. yeah, I like that. That's um, I hadn't ever thought of that distinction. You know, I'm a big one on distinctions like persuasion versus enrollment. But I do get the mentoring versus the advocating because one is very passive. It's like, I'll help you to the degree that you want to be helped, but I'm not going to push you in a direction. Whereas advocating, it's I'm going to go out and knock on doors with you and for you, right? I'm going to give you proactive advice. And I think people do sometimes need that direction, especially from someone like yourself that has stood in those boardrooms and knows what it takes and knows some of the challenges that maybe being female brings to the table that, you know, being a male or, or I guess that's the only other option uh, would bring. Right? You never know. <laughs> I'm questioning that even as I'm saying that, right? I guess there are other uh, states, but we won't touch on that one. Um, I do want to get into uh, our last sort of business-related question before we get to the, the two finals. You have worked across five different industries, uh, finance, tech, venture, automotive, and information technology. So you have, you know, you've done a lot. I think the message that we talked about earlier was, and I, six years of Russian studies, and now I'm in What's the marketing. message to youth and to people that feel like, oh, I have to declare my major earlier, like I'm stuck down this path, I can't change paths. And maybe the, the upside, I think, is that that cross-pollinization can really be actually a strength versus a weakness. I would argue I couldn't have done anything uh, that we accomplished at City Ventures without, without having had all those other experiences. And what's interesting in the other industries I've been in, they are all um, really engineering and manufacturing companies, big, big, 
engineering and manufacturing companies, but at the heart of them is something that I believe is fundamental to f our futures, really, um, across all business and really government, is systems thinking. And, you know, when you sit at Boeing and you're building an airplane and you're testing the quality, it's really darn important. You have to know how every bolt reacts to every other washer you know, throughout an incredibly huge system of one airplane. And because people's lives are at, at, at stake here. Uh, but if you're in a services business and, and you keep, you know, incrementally changing a product, there's no really quality testing. You're just, you can tend to add on complexity, really, because you're responding to a new regulation or whatever. So there's never a way of saying, does it still work? You know, sometimes I say, I think it would blow up if we tried to do that because there's been so many layers. So it's that need to really redesign uh, the experience uh, to be able to make it at, uh, really effective. But I think it's really important that, um, you know, we're living in a world that in some ways, I, I love that Hank Paulson quote, we said, you know, we live in a dark, messy, scary, uncertain world, but I wouldn't trade our hand for anything. And I think that's the point. It is a crazy time, but the opportunity to traverse across um, different things that interest you is very significant. And I think, you know, the, the real thing is we all have to adopt that we need to be lifelong learners. And the best way you can learn is by seeking, you know, interesting experiences, because we all know we learn adversity is our greatest teacher. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. So on a slightly lighter note, but that was a perfect way to wrap things up, would you like to ask a couple of questions that are sort of a thread across all of our guests? One is, you know, what business books are you reading? Or, and you and I talked about this, I think there's like a digging back into the past and going a little old school. So you're rereading some books right now. Anything in particular that sticks out? Yes, I'm rereading Women Who Run With Wolves, um, <clears throat> which is an interesting, might be a subject of another conversation. I uh, have been... Uh, Michael Lewis just continues to fascinate me, so I'm reading his latest book. And, you know, I think it's just that searching for other, other avenues that intrigue us, and I'm also reading the Victoria book. Uh, so I, I have a, a very tall stack of books, but one of the things that was fun was in emptying my office and bringing all, you know, 40 years of tchotchkes home <laughs> and books and whatever, I saw stuff, I said, hey, I'm gonna go back and read that. So that's really, really been fun. And that's a testament to how good a book is, right? If you can right. you know, pick it up and do that. Um, last question, and then this is purely a fun one, but I ask everyone, I'd love to see what the reaction is. So you're stuck on a desert island, you have one album that you can listen to you know, for eternity, which speaks to not maybe your favorite, but the one that is like the longest lasting for you. Who, who is that and why? Paul Simon, Graceland. Wow, that was like a great answer. Um, one of the first albums I ever listened to as a, a youth, by the way. My dad was a big Paul Simon fan. Oh, we got to see him recently at Berkeley. Stunning. I, I've never seen him, but I would love to at some point in time so before talented. he's done. So, so talented. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And I have to mention one other thing as we wrap up this conversation with Debbie Hopkins. You spurred it when you said playing four-dimensional chess. I was trying to remember who you reminded me of. And I mean this is the highest compliment possible. But Carrie Fisher, 
who played oh, Princess Leia you. in, you know, the Star Wars movies and, you know, may she rest in peace. But the strength and just like the beauty and the tranquility that you bring um, really just sort of you can see that connection between thank the you. two of you. So Debbie um, was the former um Chief Innovation Officer and the CEO of City Ventures. Um, she's here with us today. She's talking a little bit later. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm Aaron Strout. This is the What to Know podcast live from Shift Forum. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you. Want more episodes of the What to Know podcast? We post a new episode every Thursday. Check them out on iTunes, the podcast app, and the podcast page at w2ogroup.com backslash what to know.